It is time for By All Means right here on Western Reserve Radio. Welcome in Season 2, Episode 15, presented by Mill Creek Golf Course. Visit millcreekmetroparks.org for more information. Find us on Facebook, Western Reserve Radio, on Twitter, at Western Reserve Radio. Download the live 365 or tune-in apps or go to westernreserveradio.com. While we have a minute, don't forget, we've been talking about it the last couple weeks, Saturday, May 8th, at the Chippewa Golf Club in Doyle's town ohio it is the hal narragon charity golf outing proceeds benefit the hal narragon memorial scholarship fund for barberton high school graduates if you want more information about the outing go to chippewagolfclub.com or halnarragon.com we jump right into today's show we are joined by our friend hayden grove from cleveland.com hayden i hope everything is well with you and the family yeah thanks so much man things are good uh, how are you doing uh, things are well uh, here down uh, closer towards Youngstown. So uh, let's jump right in. And, of course, the big talk, of course, is the draft next weekend in Cleveland. But let's kind of back up and go to free agency. The Browns were kind of quiet in the beginning, but then they made a lot of smart moves. How do you think they have done so far building up this team with the offseason moves? I think that they've targeted spots. Obviously, the defense was something that – seriously needed help. I mean, we saw what happened with the Browns against uh, the Steelers and Ben Roethlisberger, and not to say, I mean, obviously they won the game, but certainly 500 yards third year is not something you want to see. Patrick Mahomes kind of was doing the same thing in the first half of that game. So they knew that they needed to bring in some some uh, defensive help, and, and I think they, they did a great job of targeting positions of need in terms of uh, Jay, or John Johnson the third, um, Troy Hill, you know, defensive backs, bringing them in, and then Obviously, Anthony adding Anthony Walker Jr., adding Jadavion Clowney, adding Tack McKinley to get to the quarterback. I mean, that's pretty significant. So um, I'm really happy with what the Browns did. I think that they really did a nice job of, um, of you know, finding a way to target really good players at good prices and bringing them in and, and rehauling that defense. And you look at it, a lot of those moves have definitely been interesting. And it's a wonder, you know, what they'll do for the secondary because, I mean, let's face it, you've got two great corners in, you know, uh, that the Browns have and, and Denzel Ward and Greedy Williams. But to be honest about it, those guys miss a lot of games. So you need some depth at that position. Certainly you need depth. And that's what we're talking about seeing. Um, that's what we, that's when we, like, that's what we're talking about. Maybe the Browns drafting a corner something like that because again it is going to be so um it is going to be such an area of need i mean in the modern nfl the pass game dominates so you got to have good corners you got to have good safeties you got to have guys who can cover receivers cover tight ends and the browns you're right the browns have not had so much depth there over the years with uh, greedy william being greedy williams being out for most of or for all of last year pretty much and um you know grant delpa being out for all of last year so now this year i think they'll have not only depth but they'll have talent which is super important when you look at the draft, you know, speaking of, you know, specific positions, is there a position of need you think they need to approach with that first round pick or are they now in a position, Hayden, where you feel like they can take the best player on the board? I'm, I feel like they can take the best player on the board. I really do. I feel like they can take the best, they can, 
take the best player on the board for sure. I mean, you know, they have so much – like, uh, there's not really a position where I'm like, ah, you know, they just – I mean, linebackers, sure, but, uh, you know, they're not going to be playing with a ton of linebackers. I think you're going to pretty much see Malcolm Smith and Anthony Walker Jr. on the field at most times. But um, so for that being said, I think you – like, they, they added depth in terms of their defensive ends, in terms of Jadavion Clowney, in terms of Tag McKinley. Then, uh, you know, we'll see if Sheldon Richardson doesn't wait, make his way back to Cleveland. I think that could be a very big possibility if he, you know, if the Browns can, if he, the Browns can, you know, get him the right offer at the right price. Um, you know, you added safeties. You got Grant Delpit. You got um, Sheldrick Redwine. You got Ronnie Harrison. You got John Johnson the third, And then you got a corner. You got Troy Hill, MJ Stewart, uh, Denzel Ward. So I would definitely go best player available. What if that best player available is on the offensive side of things? Uh, you know, it's interesting because we talk a lot about, you know, the the wide receivers for the Browns with Landry and Beckham, but uh, you know, who knows what's down the rest of the depth chart for the Browns, and who knows where the the next young wide receiver is to fill in for those players as they get older. Yeah, I, I mean, if if the best player available is on the other side of the ball, I, I don't know if I would do it. Um, I think that I always say best player available or I always say best, best player available at a position of need or a position where you feel like you need depth. And I mean, honestly, the Browns have a lot of depth at a lot of positions. I mean, maybe the quarterback position, but that's kind of the one position where you don't really just have depth at the quarterback position. They have depth at running back. They have depth at wide receiver. They have depth at tight end. I mean, they have depth in the, in the, on the offensive line. So it's like, for me, I just don't see where they would, you know, benefit from grabbing a first round offensive player. But but again, if there's a really, really, really talented guy and he's the best guy available and, you know, the Browns can help or he can help the Browns, then why not? So um, I wouldn't be – I just wouldn't expect it. I wouldn't expect it. I don't think I'd be upset. I just would not expect that to be the case. Hayden, is it finally time to stop dealing with all the uh, the rumors and the talk about, oh, the Browns are going to trade OBJ, and when he's back and healthy, just enjoy him when he's here for the player that he is and, and stop worrying about all that extra stuff? Yeah, for the love of goodness, yes. For the love of goodness, yes. Just please, enough with this OBJ stuff. You know what, and even if he does get traded, I mean, I'm not saying he will, but I'm just saying even if he does get traded, like – you know, just stop talking about it. I mean, it's just something that is going to be continually like, oh, it's just it's just something to get a rise out of fans, and it's something that these national talk shows use to, you know, because OBJ is a national figure. He's a national player. He's a public guy. He's a famous guy. So I'm just – I'm very done with it. I'm so fine with, you know, just getting rid of that talk and, and letting OBJ play. You're right. Getting him healthy. I mean, my goodness. You know, if this team has Odo Beckham Jr., Jarvis Landry, Richard Higgins, I mean, they're bringing back JoJo Natson. Um, I mean, they're going to have some quality, quality, quality individuals on the offensive side of the football and is at the receiver position. So um, I, I, I'm I'm all in. I'm all in on keeping Odell and bring, keeping him back in Cleveland and just letting that talent show. And you know, if he if he continues to be hurt, then he continues to be hurt, and you kind of that's that's not really anything you can control. But um, it's unfortunate if that continues to be the case. But I have a feeling he's going to be really hungry. Now, how different will this year be you know, compared to a couple of years ago? There was a lot of hype, a lot of talk around the Browns, and clearly things didn't go the way that all of us wanted it to. Last year, you know, you make the playoffs, you win a playoff game, you get to the next round of the playoffs. So those expectations are going to be back. You know, you hear a lot of the national pundits, the Browns are one of the top four teams in the National Football League. Can they learn from a couple years ago where there was expectations and no results on how to meet or even exceed some of the expectations going into this year? 
I think that's the best part of Kevin Stefanski. I think the best part of Kevin Stefanski is that he's not going to let them, you know, look at the clippings. He's not going to let them smell their own, you know, smell their own salts. I mean, he's going to make sure that, all right, you know, we got to, we, we have to focus on what we have to focus on. You know, the best thing for our, the, the only way we're going to be a good football team is if we do the business and the work that we need to get done. You know, he's not going to let it, let it, let them read newspaper clippings. He's not going to let them read articles. Not going to let them watch television. I mean, he's going to make, he's going to force them to say, Hey, you know, I just, this is, uh, this is something that, you know, we really need to just work within ourselves. We need to do what we can do every single day and that'll make us the best team possible. So, because of Kevin Stefanski, because of the culture that's been created in Cleveland now, I fully believe that uh, that this Browns team is going to be focused. And, you know, even if they don't exceed expectations, I don't think it's going to be because of the hype. You know what I mean? I don't think that's part of it. There's been a lot of talk the last week about you know, your training camps and a lot of other things, you know, the players wanting them to be virtually till they, they have to be. Some teams may worry about that, but uh, I, I don't know about you, but I think the Browns proved with the technology that they have and the way they were able to do things last year, although they like to be in person, if they're not, I don't think that's something that really concerns the Browns. Do you? No, no. I mean, you know they they worked with they worked through so much last year with the COVID stuff against the Jets and just COVID in general. I mean it really. I mean they lost some pretty pretty key players to COVID. You know Joel Batonio they lost him to, for the Pittsburgh game and um, you know throughout the year they dealt with it. And I don't think I don't even think I'm pretty sure that they didn't practice in person that last couple of weeks of the season. I, I think it was all virtual. So. Um, they proved that they can get they can get it done. They proved that they are you know professional enough and and mature enough to get work done even though if it's not in person. So yes, I absolutely believe that um, that even if it's virtual. And I, I, according to Kevin Stefanski today, they're going to have a virtual uh, or they're going to not virtual, but it'll be Kevin Stefanski and all the coaches and all the front office in the Browns facility, but they'll be in their own offices working semi-virtually. So I think that they know how to do it. I think as long as they continue to keep things, um, or as long as they continue to, you know, be professional, be mature, and just go put their head down and go to work, that, uh, that it'll all be, you know, the same as last year in terms of the ability to navigate those waters and have success. Hayden Grove, Cleveland.com on the phone with us. Hayden, we're about, what, about eight days or so, nine days away from the draft uh, next week in Cleveland. We all know it's going to be different than we hoped it would be uh, still dealing with the, the COVID-19 pandemic. Have you had a chance to be downtown, be in that area as they're starting to work on getting things ready for next week's draft? I actually have not. Um, I'm actually down at Progressive Field right now, Indians playing tonight, but um, I have not actually been down there. I'm, ho- I- I'm hoping to get down there before the actual draft, which is what, like 10 days away or nine days away at this point. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I've not seen it. I mean, everything that I've seen, I mean, it looks spectacular. I think they're going to do a great job. I mean, this is, you know, I'm not, I- I'm not at all worried about the city of Cleveland and the, their ability to hold big events. They did it with the all-star game. They did it with um, a bunch of different things. So certainly I believe that, uh, the NFL draft would be no different. They had the all-star game was kind of a shining jewel of the city. And um, I think that it's only going to be more so as, uh, as the NFL draft comes to town. You mentioned your progressive field Indians and, and White Sox tonight, boy, it's been a kind of roller coaster for Indians fans. Some nights are great. Some nights are really difficult to get through for, for this team. That's really trying to, you know, kind of fill things out in the first couple of weeks. Yeah, for sure. Um, they certainly are trying to fill things out and, 
You know, it's uh, it's early. I mean, everybody's trying to make declarations about this team. A lot of people made declarations about this team coming in. Oh, they can't hit. They don't have any offense. Well, we've seen that a little bit, but also we've seen kind of big out offensive performances, and we've seen, um, you know, good pitching, which we expected. We've, we've seen great starting pitching, great bullpen pitching to this point. So this team is built on its pitching. I think that that's the thing. But I don't think we can necessarily say whether or not this team is going to, you know, stay in this race just because of the way that they've started. I mean, you look at the New York Yankees, one of the best teams in baseball, um, at least on paper, and they are they have the worst record in the American League. So. It's just it's it's way too early to, to to put a final stamp on what this team is going to be, and it is going to be a rocky season, I think, in many ways. I think it's going to be lots of ups and downs. I think you're going to see a lot of great performances on the mound, and some maybe some great performances offensively. But then probably more more often than not, you're going to be scrounging for runs and and playing one or two run ball games, and you know we'll see how that ends up. I mean, they've already played a couple extra inning games. I I think that'll continue to be the case. So we'll see we'll see how that continues as we go forward. So I know you don't know the you know, definitive answer to this question because it would have to come from Terry Francona. So I want your opinion. Why is Jake Bowers on the roster? I don't know. <laughs> um, I, I, I mean, I don't know. I think that obviously Tito has some, um, um, you know, he does love his vets and he tries to, you know, get these guys going in the right direction. But I just think Jake Bowers, and to be honest, to be fair, to be very fair to Terry Francona, um, he is not. It's not as if Jake Bowers is playing all the time. I mean, the guy has play, maybe started like four four games to this point. I mean, Yu Chang is playing the majority of the time at first base, um, and because Jake Bowers is an offensive liability, so I, it's it's. I don't think it's to the point where you know he's just trying to get to get Jake Bowers going by like um, you know by putting him in the lineup every day. I mean, he's only placed. He's only pitching him or only hitting against righties. Um, so I'm not really like super sold on the fact that Jake Bowers is going to be, you know, here for the long term. I think Bobby Bradley will make his way up once that once the Tito feels like he's ready. Do you think it's a service time thing or is it just he wants to see what his veteran can do before he may may potentially lose him on waivers? Could be a little bit of both. Could be a little bit of both. Um, you know, I think obviously Jake Bowers, I mean, they didn't just trade for him for nothing. I think they thought that there was something there with his bat and there was something there with his uh, versatility in the outfield at first base, at DH, whatever. So um, they, they they saw something. It's not as though they didn't see anything in Jake Bowers. So um, I think it's a little bit of both. I really do. I think it's a little bit of both right now. Well, Hayden, try to stay warm. The game in Detroit's already been snowed out tonight against the Pirates, so uh, hopefully you'll be able to get that one in tonight in Cleveland. As always, we appreciate you taking a couple of minutes and joining us, and uh, enjoy the game tonight. Thanks so much, Mark. You have a great day, my friend. That's Hayden Grove from Cleveland.com joining us live from Progressive Field as the Indians get set to take on the Chicago White Sox. Carlos Rodon will make his first start after no-hitting the Indians against Zach Plezak tonight coming up. And uh, that game will start shortly after 6 o'clock tonight. It is one of those early early start times at the beginning of the season that a lot of teams, especially uh, in the Midwest, are doing and it'll be a 6-10 first pitch tonight. Rodon 2-0, no earned run average. Zach Plezak coming off a terrible outing and his last appearance. Plezak is 1-2 with a 5-27 earned run average. Pirates were scheduled to play the Tigers tonight, as I mentioned to Hayden. That game has been snowed out. They will play a split doubleheader tomorrow, hopefully the weather is better in the Motor City tomorrow, and they're able to get those two games in 
uh, with the Indians, excuse me, with the Pirates and the Detroit Tigers up in Detroit for the split doubleheader now tomorrow. So uh, that is a quick talk about Major League Baseball. When we come back, Dave and I will jump into what's trending. We'll give you some news about where Western Reserve Radio is going to be. We will wrap up spring football for Youngstown State. All that is coming up next. Right back here on By All Means, a thank you to Hayden Grove from Cleveland.com for joining us in the opening segment. Uh, time to jump into what's trending, Dave. And, and unfortunately, Youngstown State's spring football season came to an end earlier this week. Not the way anybody was looking for it to, but uh, the game canceled. Uh, that was supposed to be played this weekend at home. Youngstown State finishes spring football at 1-6. and six. The most games played of anybody in the conference in the in the spring season five teams i believe it was five teams four or five teams from uh, the missouri valley go to the playoffs this year uh youngstown state an opportunity in those seven games to build and you discover what they have maybe what they don't have when the fall season hopefully begins here in late august and early september yeah let's just say spring football's over let's look forward to the fall uh, they did some building, but the last couple games, they really looked like they were going in the opposite direction. So hopefully they learned from their mistakes this spring and gives them some time to build for the fall. I mean, they got nothing but the summer and and fall ball to look forward to. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, it will be interesting to see how that young talent continues to develop for the Penguins that, uh, you know, hopefully they'll have their regular, you know, 13, 12, 13 game schedule coming up here in the fall. Ohio State played their spring game on last Saturday, a, a game that was, you know, was pretty much a regular game without punting in the first half. The second half became a controlled scrimmage in a crowd of just a little bit more than 10,000, but the best part of all of that was, uh, Dave, to hear you know the band, see the spirit squad of the cheerleaders and Brutus and fans just back in Ohio Stadium like they belong. Yeah, it was nice seeing fans in the stand and hearing the band on the field. But to tell you what, Mark, the biggest thing of that game was the quarterbacks. Got to love what we saw out of the upcoming quarterbacks for Ohio State this year. Yeah, you know what? It's interesting because there's multiple quarterbacks that are going to battle for that position, but it's really probably only three. You know, two of them are redshirt freshmen. One is incoming true freshman. And the thing that I thought was interesting about all of that was the fact that, I mean, besides watching the quarterbacks that everybody had their eye on because there's no incumbent starter coming in, was seeing some of the true freshmen. You look at Martinez playing defensively in the secondary. I mean, uh, among several other young players, um, the one name that fans may not be familiar with uh, for his son, but maybe the father is Marvin Harrison Jr., son of uh, Marvin Harrison, the Hall of Fame wideout from the Colts, was definitely impressive for the Buckeyes, especially in in the first half. And it's one of those things, you know, you're going to have a new starting quarterback. You're going to have a new punter. You're going to have a new kicker. You're going to have a lot of new players, but it doesn't matter whether you're a true freshman or you may be a a sophomore or a junior or a first-year starter as a senior. Expectations never change 
for not only the coaching staff and the players, but especially the fan base. They expect the team to win, Dave, no matter how young they are. Oh, yeah, they expect that team to win. And one other one player that really stood out in that game wasn't even an offensive player. It was Jack Sawyer out of Pickerton High School, which is right outside of Columbus. Three tackles for loss, three sacks as a freshman coming into that game. And, you know, the thing about Jack Sawyer's coming in with a lot of hype for a guy that's, you know, you know, an Ohio guy that's always dreamed of being a Buckeye. But here's the thing that will kind of blow the minds of Ohio State fans. He is more highly recruited coming into Ohio State than both Chase Young was or either of the Bosa brothers. So there's a lot of pressure and a lot of expectations on him. Well, you got to figure, Pickerington is literally right outside of Columbus. And anybody knows a high school football in Ohio, Pickerington is always in the hunt. They, uh, Correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe they've made playoffs at least the last four to five years. Yeah, they've, they've been a pretty, pretty much perennial powerhouse. And, uh, you know, you, Ohio State expects big play on that defensive line. Oh, they're definitely so, going to get it with Jack Sawyer. There's no doubt about it. If he keeps up playing and he builds himself over this summer, he's going to be a starting defensive end. And you know what? We mentioned it with Hayden Grove, Dave. We are counting down the days till the NFL draft in Cleveland, just nine days away. There's been pictures all over about, you know, the outdoor facilities and things that they are building for the draft. And, you know, we're pretty excited that we're going to be part of it. Oh, yeah. Yep. We found out yesterday. Actually, it was about yesterday morning. I got the email from uh, Mr. Craven that we have been credentialed for the draft. And uh, myself, Jim Craven, and Bob Gessler will be there Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. We don't know what times yet, but we'll be on the air. But uh, we're looking forward to making that announcement hopefully next week. As we, as the NFL's trickling stuff into us, not everything comes at once. But uh, we're really excited about being there. Yeah, you know what? It's not going to be like it was or like it would have been had we you know, been in a normal situation, not dealing with a, a global pandemic. And it's good to know that, uh, you know, you, Bob and Jim all passed your required security clearances. As I told Jim earlier in the week, I said I was I was pretty confident about Bob. I, I was, you know, very confident about Jim. You were just the one that worried me. Oh, yeah. Thanks. <laughs> I've probably gone through more <laughs> FBI background checks than those two put together in my days so yeah i've been there done that uh and i'll tell you what mark you know i work in cleveland on a daily basis the downtown area um going over the carnegie bridge there's all new banners for the draft you go around the stadium all the helmets are up uh for all 32 teams and it's the extra large helmets you can take pictures with they're up um, officially, they don't open until the 29th, but there's been people down around the area getting their pictures taken with them already. Uh, it's just the town is really hyped up for this draft. You, you would not believe how it's just building down there and how it's just looking with uh, all the banners and everything that are going up around the city. Yeah, you know what? It's going to be interesting. You know, they're still expecting large crowds downtown, although, you know, socially distanced, like they're going to be required to be. It's going to be interesting because, you know, we've already heard from the, you know, prospective number one overall pick in the draft that he's not going to, uh, you know, be there. He's not going to be in the green room for the draft. So we'll have to see you know, what players chose to be there and what players don't. And it's interesting because, you know, it's one of those from our perspective as 
Browns fans, we're not picking till you know the final quarter of the draft when you break it in, into four. And that's something we're not used to at all. No, it's not. And that's that's going to be a challenge for us because if, uh, I know our illustrious leader, Mr. Craven, wants to go on as soon as the draft starts. But if we're not picking till maybe midnight, it's going to be a long night. <laughs> so. Right, yeah. I mean, you figure because what the Browns are picking, I want to say 26. The Pittsburgh, uh, the Steelers pick right in front of the Browns at, at 25. So yeah, you're definitely looking at the back end of the draft unless they trade up for some reason. Right, and which is all, all yeah, we all know the NFL draft, anything goes. People have traded up from, uh, you know, four, five, six spots. People have traded up 20 spots. So we'll see what happens, and it all depends on you know what team wants what and what teams are willing to give up to move up in the draft. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. And like I talked to Hayden about, it's also a position with the Browns that we're not used to in, you know, do they need to maybe, you know, get some depth in the secondary? Do they need to improve the linebackers? You know, they, they probably do. But I would say, like Hayden kind of mentioned, at that spot where the Browns pick, take the best defensive player available on the board. Yeah, I would too. I take the best defensive player on the board. It's always trade bait too later in the season if you can't use them uh and then you can always build your linebackers because let's face it there's always good linebackers in the second and third rounds you can always pick up a defensive end if you need one but i think between our corners and our linebackers that's where the browns nearly really need to focus on this year it's going to be a, a fun draft downtown. I don't know if the Browns will trade up or, or you know what they may do because you know they, they've always mentioned they are about aggressively acquiring talent, and I don't know if that means trading a first round pick. I wouldn't be surprised if they do it. No, would I, would I be disappointed if they don't? I would say no to that as well. So it, it's one of those where only time is going to tell just exactly what they're going to do. I mean, we know a lot of those skill positions offensively are locked up. Maybe they could use a little depth at the wide receiver position as well. So it, it's going to be a, a very interesting draft. And, you know, it's one of those that if you're a Browns fan used to pick an early, you, you might want to have an extra couple of cups of coffee because it's, it's not going to be like we're normally used to right it's not going to be uh let's see the draft starts at six and we're done by seven so it's just not going to happen this <laughs> that way this year so yeah it's going to be interesting but hey if you can't watch it and i know most people like watching it on tv but if you can't tune in to us we're going to have it live on our facebook feeds we're going to have it on our twitter feed if we can let's put that in there we don't know if we're going right. to be able to um, but we're not going to be showing any live video. We do know that. It'll be our graphic and just our voices, so there shouldn't be any issues with that. And everybody's um, thankful for that. Right. <laughs> yeah, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, we're, gonna, we're going to uh, have it live right here on Western Reserve Radio. We're going to carry as much coverage as we possibly can for the three days. And who knows, uh, during the day we might even venture out and uh, see what we can uh, do during the days while we're there and getting some of the fans maybe reactions too to play out later in the day i mean it, it is you know they've spread the thing out now for the nfl draft the first round on thursday the second round on friday and then you know three through seven you know starts on i usually think it's around noon on saturday before they they run through the, the final four rounds and uh, you know what it's one of those years where you know it's back to like it was two years ago where we have some high expectations for the team based on a a run into the playoffs into round two and only time is going to tell us exactly you know how 
how that is is going to work out, and we'll keep you updated on where we're going to be and what we're going to do in the coming days. We will take another time out. When we come back, we will talk to Chad Bradley. He is the grandson of former Indians catcher Hal Narragon, who was part of the 1954 World Series team that unfortunately lost to the Giants in that World Series. But we will talk about his grandfather's playing career. We will talk about the golf outing. All that is coming up next. Miss an episode of By All Means, and you can miss a lot. Mark, you're 100% right. He does not get enough credit around the league. He gets, I mean, obviously, you know, Coach Calhoun and, and the assistants and the rest of the players here at Hawaii, you know how valuable he is. He is right now their best player on the floor, hands down. By All Means, Tuesdays at 5, right here on Western Reserve Radio and streaming live on westernreserveradio.com. Miss an episode of By All Means, and you could miss a lot. To the radio play-by-play voice and our buddy back from here at Youngstown, it is the voice fits Everett fits you. My friend, how are you? Man, it feels good to hear your voice again, Mark. Everything's going well and definitely uh, excited to be back on the airwaves uh, briefly for uh, here in Youngstown. By All Means, Tuesdays at 5, right here on Western Reserve Radio and streaming live on westernreserveradio.com. By all means, continues right here on Western Reserve Radio, presented by Mill Creek Golf Course. Make sure to visit them online at millcreekmetroparks.org for more information. Going to go right back to the phones, and we have the pleasure of being joined by Chad Bradley. Chad is the grandson of former Indians catcher Hal Narragon, who played with the tribe in 1951 and then from 54 through 59, including an appearance with the Indians in the 1954 World Series against the Giants. And, uh, Chad, thanks for a couple of minutes. We appreciate it. Well, of course, Mark. I'm really happy uh, to be on the show. Thank you very much for taking a few minutes here to chat. So give me the background. Tell me just a little bit about the story on how your grandfather made it to the major leagues to play with the Indians. Oh, yeah, sure. You know, it's kind of funny. Um, back in the uh, late 40s, uh, the Indians were still, I believe, playing most of their weekday uh, day games at League Park. And um, we're in the summer between uh, his junior and senior year. And... Um, I guess he decided, heard there were some open tryouts at League Park. So he ended up running up there with a buddy of his, and um, they ended up lying on the application to register and get in. And uh, they go in, go about their business, do the tryouts with everybody else that went that day. And uh, end of the day, as he's walking out, um, here comes the owner, Bill Veck, and he says, uh, Hey, young man, you know, what's your name? And my grandfather told him, and he said, uh, you know, what would you say to playing for the Cleveland Indians? So my grandfather said, you know, was thinking, oh, man, I'm caught in a lie here. And he said, you know, Mr. Vec, I apologize. um, I'm I'm still 17. I haven't even graduated high school yet. And Mr. Vec says, well, um, tell you what, why don't you get your dad and come back tomorrow and we'll talk. So my grandfather went home, back to Barberton, uh, sat down with his father, said, look, Dad, I I went up, I tried out, I lied on the sheet, but uh, they're interested in me and they want to talk to you. 
So my grandfather and, uh, took his dad up there the next day, and they sat down with Mr. Vec, and essentially on a on a handshake came to the agreement that upon his graduation, the Indians would sign him to a contract. And uh, Mr. Vec held up his end of the deal, and the next year following his graduation, he signed to Cleveland on uh, I think that was in 48, and um, he was in their minor league system then that year when they won that last World Series. So tell me about uh, the the scholarship fund and the golf outing and how those two things kind of came to be and how long they've been in existence. Easy for me to say. Yeah, sure. Yeah, you know, know, I have to give kudos to uh, the city of Barberton and that community. I mean, I myself, you know, was only part of that through growing up uh, with him. I, I live a little south uh, in the Masson area, but, you know, they've really always embraced him, and, and he likewise, you know, reciprocated that uh, with the community. And um, a few years ago, they they had uh, um, named the high school baseball park after him. Uh, they created a, a Hall of Fame and put a – or a Walk of Fame, I should say, and put a stone in their um, – downtown and the sidewalk so you know that that community has been so great to him and um you know when he passed it it was obvious that there would have to be some way we could give back so we worked with the barbin and community foundation and created a how not how Narragon memorial scholarship fund um started last year with covid we ended up giving out six scholarships one to each of the baseball and softball uh, seniors. Um, they lost their season last year, so we wanted to try to do something for each of those students. Um, but this year, we, we implemented some um, loose academic requirements, and, you know, we really wanted to give any any kid an opportunity. We, we weren't trying to be too stringent and make it strictly academic, so um, we set it up so there's a eligibility for a baseball senior, a softball senior, and a third senior from any technical or vocational trade um, looking to further their education. And then, uh, you know, I work with this, the school, and we identify those uh, recipients, and um, they're going to be honored. And each year will be a little different with uh, COVID, but uh, we'll do an outing for them, or I should say a event for them to get those uh, scholarships. And um, that's where this outing came into play. This is our inaugural uh, outing, and we're using this to help support uh, that scholarship fund and try to make this a good annual thing to give back to the community. Chad, tell us a little bit about the, the golf outing, when it is, where it is, and how people can register and get involved. Sure, yeah. Um, So we're going to have it. uh, It's coming up here in a few weeks, actually, but there's still plenty of time to register. we got some room open. Um, It's going to be Saturday, May the 8th. Uh, We're going to be playing at Chippewa Golf Club outside Doylestown there um, along Route 21. And um, registration, um, anybody can call into the Barberton Community Foundation directly. Um, or you can visit their website. Um, as soon as you log on to barbertoncf.org, uh, there's a big advertisement right there, very easy to click on um, button to sign up, register a team. We accept donations to the outing. And at any given time, um, 
that website is open for donations directly to the Memorial Scholarship Fund. So it's not limited just for the, the time during the outing. But we hope to make this an annual event, too. So really looking forward to it. And um, I can't name names, but it is looking like there will be um, some former major leaguers in attendance. So this should be quite fun. It definitely sounds like that'll be something exciting for everyone to enjoy. I know a few years ago, before his passing, uh, thanks to you, the family, and Dave kind of coordinating things, I had a chance to uh, interview Hal and you know to be part of that 54 World Series team. I'm sure had to be something he took great pride in. Of course, the Indians didn't win that series against the Giants, but to get there and uh, to kind of be able to say you played in, in a World Series had to be an accomplishment. I'm sure he was quite proud of. Oh, for sure. You know, and and the Indians were always, you know, it, it's that that story. You know, the hometown team where he grew up, the team he always rooted for as a kid. So, yeah, I mean, let's talk about living the dream. Um, not even out of high school and <laughs> try out, and they say, hey, we, we're going to sign you. Just finish, graduate, and, and move on. And, um, you know, and he had a wonderful long career and and got to enjoy um you know a lot of those highs with the the indians and um had a decent career there with the senators and minnesota twins and you know and then his coaching career i mean part of two other world series teams uh, the, the although the twins lost in 65 uh when he was coaching but he was with the 68 tigers and and they got the the victory so um, and that pitching staff, he was a big part of that, being a uh, pitching bullpen coach. So um, an, an excellent career, lots of great stories. I, I, I miss him every day. I, I can't do him justice, but, uh, um, you know, it was always fantastic to have him around just to, just to listen. I, I can't imagine just being there to be able to, you know, watch a game or, or listen to a game and get the perspective of a, uh, you know, not only your grandfather, but a former major league player that I'm sure watched a game like no average fan would. And you know, took the, the time after his playing days were over to con- continue to uh, teach the game and teach it at its highest level it just shows what a great overall professional baseball career he had. Yeah, you know, quite the testament, and and you know, a lot of his peers, um, you know, they they mimic that too. They they definitely like to point out how how much of a professional he was, and um, and his knowledge for the game, and you know, his willingness to just you know share, and uh, plenty of stories even you know later in his career um, or life where he'd just be driving down the road and come across a little league game and he just stop and get out and go watch. And, you know, um, I, I hear stories from people all the time that, you know, you know, say something like that. Yeah. I was just playing T-ball. And then here's this, you know, man comes up to the dugout and introduces themselves and, you know, gives us a bunch of pointers. So, you know, he never, um, never missed an opportunity to, to coach and, and pass on what he knew and, you know, try to continue making the game great. 
you know, it's just a, a testament to how much sports has become a part of you, you know, whether it was, you know, a playing you know, some baseball while he was in the Marine Corps or playing professionally or, you know, the fact that, you know, he was proprietor of a sporting goods store there in Barberton. And he wanted sports to be part of his life. And I think you and, and the family should be commended for doing something like this to kind of continue his name on and what he did both on and off of the baseball field. Yeah, you know, I, I I appreciate that. And uh, you know, the golfing, my brother and I, you know, that was uh you know, although he helped coach us in baseball and stuff when we were younger, you know, playing golf with him was always our joy. Um so this really means quite a bit to us to get going. And again, if people want to get more information, Chad, before we let you go about getting involved, whether it's making a donation or getting a group to participate in the golf outing, how do they go about doing it? Uh, yeah, uh, Barberton Community Foundation. You can visit their website at barbertoncf.org, and um, they have the registration there. Uh, you can also call them, and uh, the registration forms are also available for download, and they're posted throughout the uh, greater Barberton area. Um, and you can always uh, check them out on Facebook and social media as well. Well, Chad, I appreciate it. Uh, like I said, it was my pleasure to, to interview Hal a few years ago. The autographed baseball the family gave me is uh, prominently placed in my collection just as somebody you know from the area that made it to the big leagues. It's something for all of us to be proud of. And uh, thank you for a couple minutes of your time. I greatly appreciate it. Of course, yeah. Thank you very much for having me on. Uh, thanks to Dave for, for helping again get things together, and uh, um, it's definitely my pleasure. That was Chad Bradley, the grandson of former Indians catcher Hal Narragon, who played for the Tribe in 1951 and 1954 through 59, including an appearance uh, uh, with the 1954 Indians team that was the American League champion that uh, lost that World Series uh, to the Giants. Uh, don't forget, coming up on next week's show, still trying to get everything worked out of what we're going to do. Going to be a lot more baseball talk next week. We can tell you we'll be joined by my friend Eric Borland, who uh, got his start in sports in radio here in the greater Youngstown area and for several years now has been the Yankees beat writer for Newsday. And uh, he will be joining us next week coming up on Tuesday. Of course, the Indians and Yankees play this weekend and uh, some reports coming out that uh, a few of those games have already been sold out. So not a lot of tickets available uh, for that game those games coming up this weekend uh jam-packed show today we got a lot of different things covered but uh definitely excited about uh, talking about the draft even more next week we will have more information for you about our coverage here on western reserve radio where we'll be when we'll be there and uh i'm gonna have a lot of different people contributing to the broadcast next weekend, uh, whether remotely or uh, Jim, Dave, and uh, Coach Bob, will, who will be up in Cleveland for the draft that begins on Thursday night. I think shortly after, let's say, 8 o'clock might be the first pick. Of course, the Steelers pick 25th. The Browns pick 26th. So they will be in the latter half of the draft. And we'll be back to wrap things up right after this. to 
wrap up today's episode of By All Means right here on Western Reserve Radio, brought to you by our friends at Mill Creek Golf Course. Visit MillCreekMetroParks.org for more information and to book your tee time with both the north and south courses open, although we're expecting some wet snow overnight here uh, in, in the greater Youngstown area, so we'll have to see if, how much golf is going to be played in the next couple of days. Thank you to Hayden Grove from Cleveland.com who joined us in the opening segment to we'll talk a little bit about everything going on in Cleveland sports. Thanks to Dave for helping us book Chad Bradley, the grandson of former Cleveland Indians catcher Hal Narragon, who was on the 54 through 59 Indians, also started his career off in 1951. Uh, with the Indians. Looking ahead to next week, we will be joined by Eric Borland, Yankees beat writer for Newsday. Or as my notes say, Yankees beat writer for the Yankees. Boy, I really proofread my notes for Dave. Don't forget this show is available in podcast form by searching for By All Means on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, and many of your other favorite places to listen to podcasts. Or you can follow me on Twitter at Mark, M-A-R-C underscore means. And we'll have the show posted for you later on tonight or first thing tomorrow morning. Again, don't forget, you can find all of our programming by looking for Western Reserve Radio on Facebook. You can find us on Twitter for live programming as well at WR underscore radio. Download the live 365 or tune in apps or just go to westernreserveradio.com and all of our programming schedule is right there for you. For executive producer Dave Ferris. My name is Mark Means. You've been listening to BioMeans, presented by Milk Creek Golf Course, right here on Western Reserve Radio. We'll talk to you next week.